Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Yeah, I completely forgot about TNG. Somebody said Diana Troy, and I was like, Bilona Torres, what? <laughs> <laughs> but you remember you remember him sort of, right? Like you can... There's a vague recollection of a really, really great bald actor. You remember Captain Kirk? Some kind Kirk? of captain. He was not bald. No, he was not. He was <laughs> never bald. Never bald, still not, no matter what they say. Um, Do they say but Yeah, it, it, it's possible that William Shatner wore a toupee. Oh, my. Or wears one. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> That's the issue with going through the track as fast as we're going. You know, I mean, remember remember Tasha Yar? Remember yeah. uh, Wesley Crusher and how we felt about him and Riker? And, you know, you can go back to the original series and Deep Space Nine. They're starting to be a blur as we fly through Voyager. And, and while this is Kess's last episode, which we have already kind of talked about, so not much of a spoiler. Should I say hello before I give a spoiler like that? I think we, like, we probably should have said hello wow. way. I, okay. So he's the veteran. He assumes everybody already knows what they're talking about and that they've seen all of this stuff, but some of us haven't. Yeah. Okay. So um, we are showing 52 episodes of Star Trek and 52 episodes of Beginning the Track to introduce Jessica to uh, Star Trek. That's me. And by extension, anyone else who wants to join us on the journey. That's you. So welcome. My name is Andy Goldberg. I should say I'm the Trek veteran. I don't think I got that out. There. See what happens? I start talking about... You just get going on Star Trek and there's no distracting you. And and we are very close to, to the convention. So I'm, I'm uh, getting excited. I'm getting excited about going to the convention with you. It'll be my first. It will. Like a lot of other firsts on this journey. Uh, Jessica Ray, co-host here. And if you haven't seen anything, obviously go back. Start from the beginning. Corbomite Maneuver, I still think, is... One of my top favorites, still amazing. I did think about dressing up as the actual ball of light, <laughs> but it seemed very uncomfortable. Like I wouldn't be able to sit down and stuff. But what a simple costume. Anyway, so again, distractions. <laughs> uh, we should just get going with uh, the gift. That's what we're here to talk about today. Right. Today is episode 41 on your track, which is the gift from Voyager. And we start each episode out by uh, one of us, this time it's me, uh, giving a 10 sentence per episode synopsis and I have mine ready to go. All right. So let's talk about the gift. Here we go. Continuing where Scorpion left off, Voyager finds herself in Borg space alone, a now disconnected and very pissed off seven of nine making demands and our beloved Cass exhibiting very advanced mental abilities or as Janeway likes to call it, Tuesday. The doctor informs the captain that now that Seven is disconnected from the hive, her Borg implants are being rejected and must go. So Janeway takes on the role of guardian, giving the doctor her consent to proceed with the operations. Meanwhile, Cass has shown an increasing mental ability like telekinesis and particle manipulation beyond the subatomic level, and she seeks out Tuvok to understand and help control her new powers. When Seven's body convulses because of an unseen Borg nanoprobe lodged in her something-something, Cass is able to not only locate it, but dislodge it and dissolve it, all using her mind. 
So with Cass rapidly changing, she speaks with Neelix and tells him how excited she is about all of this, and it's all still new, and she doesn't know what it means, and then suddenly has a power surge, zapping Neelix back. Her power surges continue, and Kess realizes that it's time for her to leave the ship soon, and she's starting to evolve into something that she may not be able to control, so time is of the essence. Janeway confronts Seven with her true identity, Annika Hansen, and promises to make her a fully autonomous, fully human. But when Seven confronts the captain, demanding a promise that, once fully human, if she still desires reassimilation, that Janeway must comply. In an emotional conversation, Janeway admits that Kess is fully capable of making her own decisions, having grown up, and they say a tearful goodbye. Another power surge and the urgency just cranked up to 10, so Kess boards the shuttle immediately, saying quick goodbyes to anyone that she missed during her goodbye tour earlier, launches, and as she transforms into a giant ball of energy, she gives everyone a special gift. Her gift to the Voyager's crew is being propelled 10 years closer to home, free of Borg space. And her gift to the fans was to make room for Seven of Nine, one of Star Trek's great all-time characters. And not just because of the costume. Aww. There you go. I like that. It's a good ending. Thanks. That's not the only reason she's here, guys. No, <laughs> it's, it's not. It really, wow, it's not. Yeah. Speaking of humans and not humans, we've got an entire story that's all about what it means to be human and not human. Uh, we actually have like two parallel stories about that very subject. So we should talk episode then, right? I'm ready. So yeah, let's, let's talk episode. I was going to like, I think I may give this two separate ratings. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to give it five out of five Borg eyeball implants. The ocular implant. Mm -hmm. But then I'm going to give it three out of five little Kess flames, the thing that... Uh, the Tuvok meditation flame. The uh, Yeah, three out of five uh, of Tuvok's meditation flames. I got it. So you can see which one I really enjoyed and which one I could have enjoyed so much more. Everything was there. It was just not nearly as good. So, so, so I think we both are kind of on the same page with this because what I saw in this episode was two intersecting stories that, that had a lot in common with each other mm -hmm. in exploration of what's going to be next for this person that touched each other every now and then, but they were pretty much separate, very separate components. So I thought that they were definitely mirror ideas. Mm -hmm. So the same thing, these two women, which was really interesting, going one way and choosing for it to be something else because based on their history and who they are. And But I definitely saw them as two distinct stories. They hardly ever overlap. And that made me a little bit sad because it would have been amazing if in the end it was actually Kess and Seven of Nine, who caused whatever interaction that gave whatever the, the jump ahead yeah. could have been attributed to both Seven of Nine and Kess. And then I think that Kess wouldn't have been quite so jarring and kind of disjointed or yeah. rushed yeah. and forced. Whatever that was, it wasn't it was it was there. I could see what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And I could also make the comparisons to uh Babylon 5, which I know you haven't seen, but for those of you who have, you know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, the um, telepath who becomes one with the universe. I don't know which happened first, but somebody stole somebody's idea from like 
you know, mythology probably. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that these these ideas have been explored over and over and over again in different ways. And it's not surprising that a great story comes back in some new new version. We reboot things all the time. Was this a great story or was this just a decent way to get rid of a character? Well, let's so so we we had two things that happened here. We had sort of the creation of a new character and the end of a character's story that both happened sort of at the same time. One of them saying it's time for me to move on. Mm-hmm. I've grown up and it's time for me to move on and the other one saying th- that is being told you won't be allowed to make that choice until you grow up. So very similar, and and Janeway having to uh, boy, we're just gonna jump into one of the, the the parallels that I loved so much was with Janeway saying to Seven of Nine, you're not capable of making those choices yet, so I'm gonna make them for you. Oh, you are and gonna then, jump right to the meat of this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. I mean, that's that's like my favorite moment. One of my favorite moments of this is the contrast of that versus what she says to Cass, which is the same. I can't let you go, and and Cass then saying, "I've grown up. It's time." Turns out she didn't really have a choice. Right. If they'd have I kept don't know. On another moment, we'd have been in big trouble. But <laughs> yeah. It's nice to give Janeway the opportunity to let her go. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess I could see that in the one... I did jump way to the end. We shouldn't jump way to the end, should we? No, 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 it's totally fine, because then we can work backwards. The one where Janeway's saying, of course I'm going to give you this freedom, not that she has any say in it. And on the other, of course I'm not going to give you this freedom, Mm -hmm. and I do have a say in it. But this is one of those things where if you if you look at what's going on between Janeway and Seven of Nine, which I'm just going to start calling Seven from this point, because Seven of sure. Nine is, yeah. Um, Good luck with that, by the way. What do you mean? Does it just, it Sometimes, just, some, as much as I would love to just call her Seven, there are times where it just, it just slips out. She is Seven, seven of Nine. nine. I just, I, she's not, anyway, we can get to how she's not Seven of Nine anymore. Mm. Mm. Um, totally going back, the parallel of Janeway allowing it. So obviously it's not Janeway, it's this situation. But there's no good situation. This is this is classic and this is after having watched so many episodes of Voyager, I am now an expert in what Voyager is all about, which is let's give Janeway two bad decisions and no way out. Yeah. And see how much everybody loves her in the end. That's what Voyager is at this point to me. Have you been peeking ahead? <laughs> there's no, this is, there's like, uh, there's a dark gray choice and then like a really black choice. And it's just like, yeah. these are all darkness, <laughs> whichever tunnel you go into. There, there are lots and lots of stories about all the different characters. And in creating your track, one of the through lines that I had early on, long before we even talked about this, was to watch Janeway progress and to see her see her decision making process change over time mm-hmm. and you can start to see it like like you even saw it last week with Scorpion oh, very much. compared to 3 weeks ago with Alliances right similar situation she's making different choices already completely and feeling very justified in every she does not have ambiguity about her decisions she doesn't have she didn't have it in Scorpion and she does not have it here even when uh the doctor says, oh, well, I can't get consent to take out her Borg. And she's just like, she's not going to be giving you consent. I give consent. Do it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, yeah, you're walking a lot. You're not even walking a line. You've totally crossed over that line. Yeah. 
but it has to be done because the other well, option. Pro- this 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 human that that has been disconnected that we now are responsible for, like a baby disconnected from their family. What do we, you know? We got to do something with her. Mm-hmm. And I, it, gosh, the seven of nine story. Okay, so we got two stories. Mm-hmm. Which one do you want? Which one do you want to tackle? Let's go ahead and do my five out of five because this was so. It was deep and it was layered, and these two playing opposite each other just sparkled. Everything on that yes. screen when those two talked and argued and fought and oh, oh my gosh, Jerry Ryan is amazing. And that's my first note. Give it up for Jerry Ryan. Give it up for a woman that really can be powerful and act in the way that she acts, and she stood toe to toe with. Kate Mulgrew as Catherine Janeway and pulled it off. And to be honest, clearly they were looking for, uh, oh, we need to add some sex appeal to this show. I don't know if the numbers were down or what. So, you know, you you can look at this actress and you know exactly the moment they put her in heels <laughs> and the silver jumpsuit, like cat suit. I didn't notice. Everybody, everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's, it, you know exactly what she was supposed to be in the same way you know that Indiana Jones will never lose his hat. Right. It's that. You know exactly what she is meant to be. But the truth is, she's so amazing, she wasn't that. That was a side note. That was, oh yeah, she's sexy. But look what, like, look at this character. Look at this passion. Look at this history. And that was really nice, I thought, for me to watch. Well, here they wanted to present a powerful, deep character that was going to challenge our main character, especially challenge Janeway, but challenge everybody and send us into a grittier, darker, more interesting story going forward. I'm sure somebody said, we just want to see some TNA. So, okay. She, oh, she's hot. You're like, okay. they, got, they got lucky she's hot on top of being an actress with those chops that also looks the way she like, could have relied on that. The show could have relied on her just just being hot. And the truth is, like I could say, like her playing against Kate Mulgrew, who is so very clearly purposefully not sexualized. She is the captain, and she doesn't have any relationships as far that I've seen. And that you've Can't said I've never seen any cleavage on her at all yet. So there's no. She's wearing that uniform, all and she the is time. the cat. There is no sexuality about her. You know, there's a little bit of me that's looking at that and seeing the green dancers from Orion or whatever, and being like, ah, okay, they had to do this because you have to get eyeballs this way. But she went so far beyond that that it's fine. Now that she is starting to integrate with human culture and we'll get to you know that you'll see her actually develop her human personality which i think you're going to enjoy how she interacts with different members of the crew i think this is going to be really really something i very much enjoy is watching her do that and even the little tidbit of like that girl her favorite color was red isn't that a great way to remind us that or show us that her humanity isn't it it is still there i saw it and maybe there are other ways to see that i'm I'm sure there's other there's always another way to see it but i saw this as very much like a cult the way she behaved Mm -hmm. and the way i took her saying all right once even if even when you let me go when you when i finally convince you that i'm human enough for you 
are you going to then allow me to return to where I want to be? Mm-hmm. Would you then believe me? It's, uh, it's all brainwashed and it's all messed up and overcoming that kind of stuff in your head yes. is horrifying, but it's also so fascinating. And I'm kind of excited. Yeah. I'm really excited to see how they deal with that. Her character will become a, a huge part of the second half of Voyager. It just, it just is. It can't not be. Yeah. She becomes a big fan. She's a big fan favorite. Um, it, and the beautiful part about it is it's not just because of her looks. Precisely. It's yes. because that character is fascinating. And right from the very beginning, when she opens her eyes coming out of the Borg alcove, which, by the way, she'll be in that alcove mm-hmm. through the whole series. Like, she's got to stay in there to regenerate every now and then. So, Interesting. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so she never completely gets away. The, the ocular implant, the little thing above her, her eye, right. and the little thing on her cheek and on her hand, those stay. Which, by the way, means people out there, aliens out there that are familiar with the Borg will be able to recognize her as a former Borg. Sure. And that will cause her grief in the future. Well, I hope that that also causes her, like there's there's a place you can put her in when she starts questioning everything. The more human she becomes, is she truly going to give up that little tiny piece of her that will always be Borg? I have no doubt that they play with that. There's no way they don't. I hope they I hope they play with that. We did talk last week about first contact and about the Borg Queen. Did you did you get a chance to watch the first contact even though I I did not, but I will be mentioning later on in Trek what I have watched. Yeah, you've watched a lot of uh, we're going to talk but about I, it that was during going Trek and watching Voyager itself. So Gotcha. Well, in, in First Contact, you meet the Borg Queen, and mm. she will be showing up later in this series. And some of the interactions, of course. I mean, how can they not have to do with Seven? Right. So now Seven is speaking from the other side of things, talking to the Borg. So Fascinating. They go in a lot of great directions with this character. And she is a constant challenge to Janeway. Good. Janeway needs it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and, and, and she's, she's just as, she's every bit as smart. She's every bit as resourceful. She's every bit as useful as Janeway and doesn't mind saying so. That was really interesting. Uh, having, yeah, as, as strong as Janeway is when she comes out of it, Janeway's like purposefully Borg-esque when she's telling Seven what to do. Like, I wrote down that, like, the you must comply. Right? She's so bored. Like, and is, like, I'm, there's no way that's not on purpose. And then that, that is just to make it. Oh, that had to be on. I mean, she was basically speaking Borg language right, to her, saying, to her. Yes. if you can't hear me as a human being, you know these words, you must comply. Yeah. You know these words. But she never actually says that she'll let her go. You'd think that Janeway would actually answer the question with yes. But when Seven asks her. It's a really hard question because the question, I thought that Janeway was kind of question. I thought she was kind of questioning herself. You know, am I going to be able to know when she's, you know, when she's no longer brainwashed? Well, and then she's also asking is when I finally fully 100% have your trust, I have every right to slap you in the face and tell you that all of this time gaining my trust, you were wrong. Yeah. She does have that right. Completely. She does. What Janeway would do about it would be a, you know, completely right. Uh, up for debate. 
but with as sure as Janeway is in her decisions, because she's so sure. Like, this is something that I have noticed. Uh, she is steadfast. Janeway is a very my way or highway. We've talked about that, too. She's... Like, she'll, she'll recognize all of the gray areas of her options, but once she decides to go with something, she does not stop. She'll be like, okay, let's think creatively, or let's make it happen, but it's not not happening. <laughs> so... Annika Hansen is Seven's original mm-hmm. name, and her parents went on a shuttle, took her on a shuttle, set a course probably for the Delta Quadrant, ran into the board, got assimilated, and, and by the way, she'll get to relive that exact moment um, of that. It's a little creepy, actually. I can't imagine it not being creepy. And she was, you know, she was young. I, I, I didn't look it up specifically, but she was... I think they said she was six. So she was, if she'd been assimilated 18 years ago, which she said, not in this episode, but the last episode, mm-hmm. add six, that would put her at about a 24-year-old woman. Yeah. I thought they said that she was like six. So she's literally been a Borg for three quarters of her life. Given the rate that humans make memories, she doesn't even remember being human. Barely, right? Like when she saw her picture, her own picture. Nothing. It was hard. There was a moment and then she, you know, rejected it. Do you think that's too easy? I mean, it obviously wasn't easy in this one, but it was only one episode and we saw her go from fully Borg all the way to, I remember that I liked Red. I loved the moment when she said that because it was just a touch of her humanity. It wasn't, she's still not willing to go full human, but she's at least willing to acknowledge that she remembers something about her past. I, I, I thought it was a good first step. And I don't know if you trust her. I mean, you obviously know that she's on the show for four seasons. Chances are if she betrays us in three episodes, that may not have happened. I don't know why I'm saying that. I don't either. <laughs> what else do you want to say about Seven before we start talking about Cass? I wanted to say that the exploration into what it is to be a Borg from the point of view of somebody who actually wants to be a Borg and can express that as a human to other humans, because obviously having a mechanized voice that says, we are Borg, you don't matter, is so not the same thing as this woman looking back terrified that she feels alone. Like if there was anything, this her whole story in this punched me in the guts. But that in particular, the... You are an individual. You are small. You cannot understand what it is to be Borg. She's alone. Her entire life, she's had this oneness with this vast... A nonstop stream of voices. Collective consciousness. And she has never been in a dark corner alone. Yeah. And she just, like, that has to be the most empty, hollow feeling that's terrifying. Can you imagine what kind of, like, if you were to go into a sound chamber and how long it takes you to go crazy, what is that when when it's actually truly silent and it doesn't take people but a couple seconds usually for Mm -hmm. them to be like, let me out. That's got to be how I imagine how she's feeling. And that being expressed, I thought was really powerful. And then I had this, like, really mind-blowing thought Uh that that is exactly what Kess is trying to attain or is attaining all on her own. Very parallel story. The next level, without knowing what it's going to be and trying to come to grips with it. Yeah. Tell me more. But she, Kess is going to become not an individual anymore. 
That's, oh, wow. I mean, that's yeah. what I got out of that is I'm becoming the universe or right, something. Like she's, and we don't even know what the heck this is that she's turning into, right? Like, right. We're going to switch to the Kess story here and just, you want to switch now? Let's do it. Yes. Kess's little arc in here was like, it started out really cool. The thing jumping to her hand. Right. The telekinetic thing, which was brand new. Never saw that before. Really? You saw Tuvok. Yeah. You okay. saw Tuvok kind of respond to it. Like, uh, have you had that happen? And she said, she said now they'd been doing meditative exercises and things like that, but that was new. So they jumped a lot and whatever's happening with her. And, and I'm not 100% sure I know exactly what's happening. Nobody when knows. When it started happening. Because it was way too rushed. How it was triggered. Oh, it was so rushed. And then what they did was they had they had almost two cast stories. They had the beginning story where she's discovering these powers. She sees the implant inside of Seven of Nine's nerve, the, the, the nerve, and she like dissolves it with her mind, which is really right. kind of interesting. One of the few moments where the two of them interact, and it was like I saw that, and then I saw the moment where she stops Seven of Nine from communicating with the Hive. Mm-hmm. And I thought these two are going to have some sort of maybe battle, or and then nothing. I then it and didn't. Then nothing. Yeah, I really, really wanted that to be. I wanted Kess to leave something with Seven of Nine because if anybody could, it would be her when her powers are expanding. And they so didn't touch that. Instead, what it turned into for me, and it's, I, I was a little disappointed actually as I as I watched it this time. It turned into the Kess, a very clear Kess goodbye tour. Very much, and a dissatisfying one at that. Well, and the the thing that you would not know as well is that in the show, she interacted a lot with Tuvok. So she has her final meditation scene with Tuvok. She interacted, obviously, a lot with Neelix. So she has her final goodbye. Because they're so in love. Where they're talking for a while, and then suddenly it, it almost switches to like where... Neelix almost feels like he actually knows she's leaving, even though they haven't talked about that yet. Where he's like, so what's all this happening to you? Like, what does it all mean? But then it's cool because she's like, I love you. And he's like, ha ha, that's a joke. I was, I was very, the goodbye tour that she goes on is extremely disappointing for me. I agree. There was nothing. And of course I said this way back, but I thought she would have had a really nice love story with the doctor and they could have explored what happens to a hologram who's exploring what it is to be uh, alive. And in some ways and her, the alien who's growing up so fast compared to everybody else and desperately wants to explore as much as she can in such, in all of this time, because every day for her is like a year or so. Haven't done the math. (laughs) But it's accelerated. There's so much. And they don't even, like, they don't even give them a goodbye no. at all. They give her, and I haven't, I personally haven't seen her interacting very much with Tuvok at all. So when Tuvok came in, if you guys are following along with me and you haven't really seen, I was like, what the F is Tuvok doing here? Like, why is he all up in her grill concerned for, I mean, that for me, that could have just as easily been Tom Paris. Yeah. And then nobody, none of them care. Harry Kim isn't like, oh, we're so sad to see. Like, nothing happens. Very little Harry Kim in this. Very little Paris in this. Very little Bolana in this. And as I looked back, those were the three that didn't have the, the strong moments with Cass. It was the other ones. And they got, and they got the goodbye tour. 
They got the goodbye tour. Nobody else did. I don't even remember if Harry Kim got a chance to say goodbye. Like, as she's, like, running down the hallway, glowing and everything. That was, I think, the the forcing her off because she's going to blow everything up was completely unnecessary and could have been something else. This is why she gets the three of five and the other one packed so much of a punch is I wanted it to be on the same level. And I think maybe had they given it even one extra episode to tell this story, they could have tied a lot more. They could have had a different story. They could have had seven of nines coming into Kess's leaving instead of it happening at the exact same time. And then there's the moment where you realize at the very end, they're like, oh, they replaced the pixie woman with the sexy curvy woman. That's like that's and that's how cheap it feels when Kess leaves. That that moment where Kess leaves and then we see her, we see Seven of Nine. The very yep. next time we see her, there she is in the cat suit. It was a bit of a slap in your face. In the pose, too. I mean, not yes, just in, in the, the cat po- suit, in, but in the pose. And it didn't have to be that way. Well, nothing has to be a certain way. But if I was lean, I'd have been like, "Screw you guys!" Just because you didn't give me something great with my story. I'm I'm there and and I don't know the whole story on why Jennifer Lean left the show and I tried to do some research to find out what the heck happened. I there are multiple stories, some of which don't hold her in a good light, some of which don't hold the producers in a good light. In the end, I just said so. She was leaving the show, and this is how they had yeah. that happen. And it's a little bit of a bummer. It felt a little bit Denise Crosby-like, a little bit Tasha Yar-like. Uh, yeah. I wish they had given her a more satisfying conclusion. At least they didn't just, like, shoot her in the head from an alien. So, oh, sure, it could have been worse. But it could have been just, like, that tiniest bit to make this as epic as family. Like, if we're going to be drawing those parallels of the three-parters, especially with the Borg, space battle, and then character-breathing kind of moments, it just didn't quite... The other story, sure, but this one, it was so, every, it could have been. Ah. I'm, I, I'm there. And, and obviously you understand why this had to be on the track. Yes. It's a, it's a huge turn in, in the show. And it's, and it's a great, I think it's still oh, a it's great episode. Oh, it's an amazing episode. episode. I'm just, just I, I, the very last note that I wrote for this episode is, was Kess's goodbye satisfying? Then I've already answered it. <laughs> now, I didn't find it that satisfying either. Now, like, like I said, she will be coming back for another episode and I have visions in my head of what it is. But honestly, I haven't received searched enough in my brain to remember exactly what happened. <laughs> I remember her being pissed. Well, maybe she comes from beyond the sub-sub-sub particles to let us know what we're doing wrong. Yeah, something happens there. So, but goodbye, Cass. We, we miss you. I loved your voice. Let's talk some Trek. Let's talk some Trek. I want to talk some Trek for you and me. Now I'm being goofy. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the one, the extra ones that I have seen, which of course did not include the one that you recommended, which was First Contact. All right, so you did not watch First Contact. No, but... So so let's just get this out of the way. I'm going to re-recommend that for this week. Okay. Go watch First Contact, because we are getting close to Enterprise, and there's, there's like a great scene in First Contact that will get reprised that when we get to the near the end of Enterprise, you're going to want to see it. All right. You're going to want to have gotten the experience. It's a movie. It feels so much bigger. But what you did watch was a ton of Star Trek. I did. So actually, are we going to mix it up? Is this where we get to mix it up? Your trek has gone off the rails in so many ways, I can't keep track of it anymore. <laughs> Tell me what you've been watching. 
Well, I watched the the two stories with the Q, so uh, Death Wish and the Q and the Gray, because those you had recommended. Um, I watched Future's End, so I got a little bit of Sarah Silverman. That was right, fun. and the, and a little timey wimey, little timey wimey. Uh, and oh, good! I want to talk about there's a there's a thing in that episode that happens that's important, and that is that the doctor, uh, the doctor, the, you know what I'm talking about, the mobile emitter. Yeah, he gets we get like 29th century tech, and it gets kind of cool. And also, humans are still dicks, so <laughs> <laughs> that's super fun, right? And I enjoyed Tuvok's snarkiness in that one too. So that was super fun. Two back rocks. I watched Unity. So, and I think that that was really good recommended one because seeing how Chakotay handled the Borg when it was more consensual and intentional and not like the Borg as the Borg. But yeah, well, if you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, I'm just confusing everyone. So you do a much better job of this. This is the episode. We, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago or last week where we find a Borg, a group of people that have... Or that are still connected to each other, but have disconnected from the Borg hive. Right. And yeah. during the episode, they connect Chakotay up with them. Yes. And that was mostly season two and season three. Uh, I watched Warlord, but I think I might have mentioned that Kess, one. The Kiss episode. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. you mentioned that in the last one. Uh-huh. And then I watched one that made me like Kess and of course the doctor but maybe under maybe understand Kess for this episode that we we just talked about yeah. uh for the gift a lot more which was darkling and that centered more around the doctor uh altering his own personality because he's going to incorporate all these genius people in history and then of course Bellana's like that's not how that works and then of course that's not how that works and yeah, it it's goes called off the rails multiple personality disorder and it's not good it is very bad but side note Kess has explored her relationship with all another guy and her super adventurous spirit and being very aware of how she's not going to live very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I hadn't seen that, I wouldn't have liked, I would have liked the Kess story even less because <laughs> I wouldn't have understood it even a little bit. Got uh, it. So that gave me a little bit more of her. Good, good. Well, I'm glad you get to see some of that. I mean, it's, we, we're dealing with a track where I wanted to, obviously, you got to meet Cass at the beginning, and yet we want to get to Seven of Nine. So I, it's just, it, it's hard to honor both sides of that, of the Voyager story in nine episodes. Oh, this is, this is the, this is the pitfall of how we're doing this in yeah. the way we're doing it. We, we gave ourselves 52 cause we wanted a, just a year of it as an introduction, but you get into the serialized stories and it doesn't work the same way as like the original series or even next gen where you're hopping from. And I'm finding that even like Voyager, I really did think was going to have less serialized stories, but you do, even if you're doing one off, Alien of the Week stuff, which I don't mind. I know other people don't like it, but to me that feels super classic sci-fi, and I enjoy that very much. You're still getting the through lines, or if we're doing it my this way, you're not quite getting the through lines of understanding the characters and where they're going. So right. it is, and just, you know, recognizing that. Sure, and you'll go back. I mean, you did it, you did it with Deep Space Nine. Yep. I assume that you have paused Deep Space Nine at this point. Yeah, I can't keep up with both and all, but... There was a little bit where I was doing, I was like, oh, I'll watch my one for Voyager and then I'll watch a bunch of DS9 and I can't, and now I'm like full, full blown into Voyager and I'm pausing DS9 and that'll turn into Enterprise. And then when we're finally done, I'll just binge the entire thing hour after hour <laughs> on a weekend or something. If so, if you're like, oh, well, if you strung them together, how long would it all take? 
Um, you know, I haven't actually figured it out. There's 744 one-hour episodes. So without, like, without making me do math, just with that, how many days would that be? Well, remember that, that the episode, an hour-long episode is actually, anywhere like, from like 45 yeah. minutes to 52 minutes, depending on commercials and things like that. So, I don't know. Let me pull up a calculator and just let's, let's do the math. <laughs> this is cool. We're going to do the math. So... He thinks this is cool. I think this is... I just want a robot to tell me the answer. Hey, that's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> I am like your robot, and I will tell you that 744... Well, I meant the calculator, but that works. <laughs> so, so here's what I'm going to do. 744 episodes times... Do it in a Borg voice. <laughs> you want me to try and do this in a Borg voice? I don't even know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Total Borg... <clears throat> I can't do this. You just want me to you make a totally button. Do. I believe you. In just you just want me to make a button where I sound like an idiot. To- How many times have you done that to me? Enough. Mm-hmm. But never in a Borg <laughs> voice. Total. <laughs> Total episode count. 744 episodes. Total time count. Approximately 595 hours. Total number of days. 24.8. So you could actually spend more than a month. I mean, if you're going to include the uh, all of the movies and stuff. Uh, you know, if you don't like if you don't sleep, you can get it all done. If you if you eat and sleep Star Trek. It's going to be like 3 3 months. We hook you up to a simulator. Oh jeez. We could we we put you on the holodeck and you could just live Star Trek. Okay, you know what? I would do that. I would totally do that. Of all of the holodeck simulations that I've seen, Voyager now has like this Caribbean vibe one. And of course there was Moriarty and Data had his whole uh, Sherlock thing. And you never met Dixon Dixon Hill and that was uh, Picard is an old San Francisco um, private eye. Right. Um, We had DS9 multiple scenario. Of course there was a baseball thing. Uh, We had Bashir's 007 thing. Right? You saw Worf go into the Old West with his son. So I'm kind of trying to think of ones that multiple people have and I men- enjoyed ensemble-wise. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the casino heist in, uh, in Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine. Bada bing, bada bang. So what was your question? Now that we've talked about all these. My question is, which one, what would you pick? What would I pick? Yeah. What's your... What's your hangout holodeck oh, situation? Hangout? Oh, where would I go? Janeway's got so, Da Vinci. So assuming that I actually like lived on board the starship that had this technology. I think that that's a good assumption. And so going there wouldn't make sense because I would just go there. If, oh, sure. Like if you had a holodeck here on Earth, you would just go be on. You'd be on the original series then. You would just. I guess I'd be on the Enterprise. Yeah, you know, I'd I'd slide myself in somewhere right underneath Spock in the command structure. And, you know, I actually, sorry, Sulu, I'm driving. Sorry, I had to keep my mouth shut about that entire thing. I want to fly the Enterprise. (laughs) That's wonderful. (laughs) But if I was on the Enterprise and went into a holodeck, obviously it wouldn't make sense. That would be super meta. be to do what I do for my normal job. That would just be Nog practicing. (laughs) I love to play games. So, like, some sort of weird Dungeons and Dragons fantasy world where I could be, like, in a party with actual 
dwarves and elves and mm-hmm. halflings and stuff like that. I could see totally getting into that mm. kind of fantasy. How about you? I don't know if I would have like my go-to scenario be because obviously you want it to be either a party situation like the one Voyagers got going on where how come nobody's coming out of that in a bikini by the way like you never see them you see them getting dressed up for you see although Belana does and there are times when uh what is it Paris walks out with like a something I promise you bikinis are plenty when we get to Enterprise no I promise you bikinis and shorts what am I gonna complain about them when I finally get them probably <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, you, 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 I don't think you're going to complain about them, and here's why. Because it's very. I think it's pretty damn balanced. Like if you're going to put the girls in them, put the guys in them too, and we're all we all get to be happy. Everybody's in a bathing suit at one Equal point. Equal eye candy for everyone. Yeah, all right. they're they're all they're rubbing each other down, and if you think I'm kidding, everyone that's listening that's seen it is going, yeah, they're, they're, they they do that's that more than once. There's a rub down <laughs> place. They, 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 and I'm using air quotes with this, justify it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a series for another day. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Coming up. I will tell you, since since we were talking, so this is kind of talking track about the holodeck uh, and holo suites and such. So I will tell you that Enterprise does not have an actual holodeck of any kind. They've got some simulators for like, like, like weapons ranges and stuff that like makes that, sense. but they don't have that. Do they have transporters? Yes, they are. They are. It's brand new technology that has is not yet approved for human travel at the beginning so of the show. I watched the animated series episode where uh, Spock comes across the cube that actually has given the technology left over from like, however, like a universe ago or whatever. Like this super ancient society uh-huh. has all died off. So that must have been right about the time that they were experimenting when that cube was found, or that box or whatever it is. I don't know. No, I'm just super proud to be able to call that out. That's all. I'm like sitting yeah, I'm I'm like sitting here saying, Wow, did she just call out an episode that I honestly would like have to go look up? Boom. Wow. The newbie has become the veteran. There you go. That's just not true, but it's fun. <laughs> I wanna talk about how we're gonna do Voyager. Because I've got something special in mind. So next week, we've got a real special episode. We'll get to that soon. After that, we're going to have a holodeck episode. Okay. Okay, so Voyager's version of the holodeck. And this is an environment that you have yet to see. So it was really interesting that that's what you asked me about. I did not know that (laughs) going in this. Yeah. Because this is a Captain Janeway, the first female captain running her own show... I sort of thought it might be a good idea to turn over the reins of our trek to you for a week and let you captain your own trek. Oh. Are you willing to take on being captain for a week? Oh, guys, that's so cute. He thinks I, hasn't, I haven't been captaining my own trek this entire time. <laughs> okay, yeah, we all know this is... <laughs> we all know I am simply at your mercy. Uh, um, sure. What, are, are we, am I picking from options here? Like, am I picking a path? So I'm going to, so yes, your orders have come in. You're taking command of the trek. And here's what I need as your faithful crew member from you. Mm -hmm. In order for me to give you the best options as captain so that you can choose which, which episode we're going to watch for your eighth 
Voyager episode, I need you to tell me if there is a particular character you want to explore or a particular situation you want to explore. So let let me remind you of the characters so that you can decide. So Paris, Kim... Torres, these are people we haven't necessarily gotten into. Mm-hmm. The Doctor is one that we've definitely seen, mm-hmm. but you've been really curious about, so I thought Very you might nice. choose him. Seven of Nine is brand new, and we're going to see more of her, but you may really want to explore something with her. And then I broke Tuvok up into Tuvok Light and Tuvok Dark. Okay. Because he's got some dark episodes, too, that are really kind of interesting and fascinating. Okay. Um, obviously, we have the second in command, Chakotay. Chakotay! <laughs> and of course, if you really want to explore Janeway, if you haven't gotten enough of her yet, we could do that. So there's our characters. Do you have a character preference in mind? I would actually really like to see a little bit of Belana, just because even in my own kind of picking and choosing and from the recommendeds, I haven't seen a whole lot of her. She seems super cool and fascinating and I want to see more about her story. Plus, she's the only engineer brain on that ship, so she seems pretty cool. Uh, yes. Okay. Got it. So we will. So 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 we know that your eighth episode is going to be a Balana episode of some sort. Okay. Um, and then the other question that I was going to ask you is: Is there a particular kind of situation you might be looking for? Maybe you want to see us explore a planet. Maybe you want to see us encounter a ship, or encounter a trap, or a puzzle, or have a first contact with somebody, or maybe some character development, or maybe you want one of those episodes where. Somebody just must have been stoned when they wrote it. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, my two favorites in that are somebody must have been stoned. Uh-huh. Uh, because that just, I think, makes for either really bad or really good sci-fi. And sometimes those are the same thing. Okay. Or we encounter a puzzle or a trap because I really like those too. Can I pick both of those? Yeah, Is there absolutely. one, like my very first trek? It's, it's funny because Where this somebody must have of... been high. So somebody must have been high when they made this puzzle or trap. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's The funny thing is, is I've been trying to get back to the Corbomite maneuver ever since we started this. Uh-huh. Because somebody was totally high when they wrote that trap. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. He just thought of one, guys. Uh, I'm 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 working on your your options, Captain. So I will I will have those options for you next week, and then you will be able to to tell us what we're going to be doing for your eighth episode. So okay. I and love since it. we're in, I'm in control of this just for the moment. I get to do the recommendeds for this week. Yeah. Yeah, do them. Okay, so this is based off of what I just said that I have already seen, which is Future's End. Highly recommended. Right. Uh, You get to see Sarah Silverman. Also, the Doctor gets mobile. Um, It's just a good time. And that one's a two-parter. The Q and the Gray, which I understand why you said start with Death Wish. But the Q and the Gray is really fun. Mm -hmm. And there's a particular moment, if you guys haven't seen it, look for it, when Q does something, and Janeway in a very, from what I've seen, un-Janeway act, she's like, really? That was it? (laughs) (laughs) That just gave me so much joy to see her face, and it's all disheveled, and it's just, that was, that may have been my most exciting moment of Voyager thus far. Perfect. Uh, and then Darkling, which of course we talked about earlier. I get you get to learn a little bit more about Kess in the B plot, but uh, a lot about the Doctor and 
him going crazy. That's a good time. So those are my recommended for you guys. Awesome. So so just to let everybody know so you can find them quickly, Future's End is the eighth episode of the third season. That's the one with Sarah Silverman. That's the one where we already, the, yeah, we already talked about that. The Q and the Gray, which is season three, episode 11. And then Darkling, which is season three, episode 18. There you go. You got you see you got it all. See, I didn't have to do any of that work. You didn't have to do. I'm I'm I, I'm just sitting here. Well, I'm just blown away because here I am sitting here. I don't have to recommend anything this week. You're going to be picking the episode. Wow, has this trek come a long way, guys? He's going to get bored. I better give him the shit back. Uh oh. No, we'll be fine. I'm <laughs> loving this. Let's get to next week. Okay. So I know how much you hate it when I do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because here we go. We are going to get epic-er. I don't like it when you get epic-er? No, you don't like it when I tell you that this is my absolute favorite episode of a particular series. Uh, and this is my absolute favorite episode of a particular series. This is a lot of people's absolute, and there's good, with good reason. Yeah, okay. with great reason. So okay. it's, it's that pressure-filled episode that you knew was coming. And it is, some people don't consider this to be the best episode. Are they wrong? You remember I had every episode of the original series was in some way my favorite. Of course. But this is my favorite Voyager episode. Okay. I love this. So this is an epic of such immense proportions that this story originally was slated to be an entire season of Voyager. Okay. They put a season into... Two episodes. Wow. One single two-parter. Well, if I thought the last one was rushed. Right. So, um, and, and as I've watched it in preparing for this week, I can see how they could have made an entire episode out of the Chakotay line, the, you know, an entire, entire season, an episode out of this part of it, an entire episode out of that part of it. It really is a huge story. And yet they contain it so nicely in this, in this two-parter. So this episode features... Janeway, with huge support from Chakotay. Chakotay! Chakotay! Paris, Seven of Nine, and Tuvok. And how far are we from the story of the gift that I just watched? Not too far. We are in the fourth season, episodes eight and nine. So we've only progressed a few episodes since. Okay. So if you wanted to catch up, if you really want to binge some more Voyager and you don't want to go watch first contact you could slide in anywhere in between the gift and this okay there's no spock's brain to avoid in between honestly i didn't get a chance to watch all of them i the very next episode is an, uh, is kind of a cool balana episode if oh hey i was just asking for that you were weren't you mm-hmm. and but we're not talking about that episode we're talking about no we're talking about episodes eight and nine of season four. exactly and episode eight and nine of season four is called the year of hell parts one and two this is the one you got all excited about when I was just like, Voyager is just like seven years of hell. You said that, and I went, oh, she was so close, because this is the <laughs> year of hell. So just the one year of hell. Just one. So I should probably give a prediction then. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I told you the name of the episode. I told you who it features. There's not a ton of spoilers that I need to tell you about. In fact, uh, yeah, you're ready to guess if you're ready to guess. Uh, I think that this is going to be a timey-wimey thing. So instead of actually being a full year, this is going to be... 
they flew through some as they usually do because Janeway's like head that way oh, that storm cloud of spacious gas that's probably really evil. We can just push right through it with our shields. She does that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're going to do something like that. They're going to fly into something that sends them into some, like, horrible time speedy uppiness, but they don't know it. Mm. And then when they get to the other side, they've actually only been gone for, like, three days. But in their heads, they were in there for like a year. But I think it's just going to be like everything that can go wrong will. Because that sounds like a year of hell for Janeway. Mm -hmm. Just the ship's going to mess up. The people are going to mess up. She's going to mess up. She's going to have to like deal with like every decision that she's doing is just way wrong. That's going to be the year of hell. Okay. Should I be more detailed? No, I think you've done a you've done a, a a decent job of touching on some elements and a decent job of completely missing in some places. So it's perfect. Great. Yeah, this is what gives us credibility that you did not see this episode before your prediction. I have not actually seen this episode, guys. <laughs> when will you be tweeting? Okay, so I will be doing this. I will be watching my first watch, July fifteenth, seven p.m. Mountain Time. If you like to follow along, and you're of the Twitter follower alongers. Right. <laughs> tweeters? I am so not a social media person, the, the guys. Twitter I don't know. users. Tweeters? Tw- are they tweeters? Tweet, tw- tw- I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, did, I came close. Came close. <laughs> uh, we are at Begin the Trek. If you want to find us on Facebook, we're at Beginning the Trek. Online, the website is beginningthetrek.com. And you can always. Uh, follow us or if you like to email send us questions comments things like that info at beginning the com. there you go and so as we always got. we ask for your support we're uh, uh one of the things we're up to is getting people to uh get tuned into the whole universe of star trek so please like share subscribe do whatever those things you're supposed to do so that other people come and do the same because that's how social media works that's how the world works (laughs) (laughs) we're so good at this guys we are professional amateur Mm. podcasters when it comes to people that ain't making any money but having a good time doing it we do we do this for the joy and the love we're some of them and I've learned so much. To that end love you Jessica love you too talk next week have a fantastic fantastic time watching the year of the hell. best voyager episode ever and i will begin preparing your options for when you take over being captain on your track the rest of it's just kind of a fun romp in the alpha quadrant yeah in the de- in the delta quadrant oh wait what well we're in the delta quadrant oh but this I mean, Voyager's in the Delta Quadrant. We're... If we are, I have been in the wrong quadrant this entire time. Well, no, you haven't, because you're here with me. Skype doesn't work all the way over there. I seriously need to look this up, because I have referenced the Alpha Quadrant so many times, and if this isn't them in the Alpha Quadrant, I'm... No. No, you haven't talked about them being in the Alpha Quadrant. I I would have corrected you. Or I didn't hear it, and uh uh-oh. Oh, no. Thank you.